Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. My guest today for these episodes is Dina Cataldo, lawyer, yoga teacher, coach, and I'm sure lots of other things that I'm leaving out because you are <laughs> the busiest human being that I know in my life. Like I can't even keep track of you. Say hello. Hi, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? I'm fine. I try not to feel busy, but I do know that I do a lot. Uh, and I, I, I love your podcast about not saying I'm busy. And I called <laughs> that out on Instagram. So hopefully uh, some listeners here follow me on Instagram and they will have seen me saying, oh my God, everyone listened to this episode. <laughs> I don't remember the episode number right now. I wish I did. Um, but I'm sure anyone could look at my feed. Oh, maybe it was in my stories. So maybe they couldn't look at my feed. But they can sort of look at yours. I can email you the, the number. Sure. I'll, I'll post it on, uh, let's say, <laughs> note from the intro. <laughs> Go check out this episode. Well, so um, as with some of my other guests, I met Dina at a uh, online entrepreneur event. And we actually, it's funny. I, I seem to recall we actually connected over Montessori of all things and talking about education, which I don't remember how that conversation started. But we were I talking to another gentleman who was into teaching oh. and he had his own programs and all that good stuff. And so we just kind of got talking and we started flowing and then we recognized all the commonalities that we had with coaching. There you go. I love that you remember. I seem to remember we were sitting at a bar at an outside restaurant. Yes. Yes. Um, and we followed up, but it's funny because every time we talk, I feel like I learned something new about you, something I, I didn't know before. I feel like uh, you need to write some kind of full biography just so I can get caught up <laughs> all the happenings. But specifically today, we're going to talk about essentially designing a roadmap for your life, like how you want to walk forward. Um, but before diving into that, it would be great if you could catch people up on some of that that's <laughs> biographies. <laughs> I'll give the the thumbnail. So, I uh, that's my dog Frankie in the background. Um, hey Frankie. He's protecting. Frankie can come say hi while we talk. Hey. No. So my name is Dina Cataldo. I am a criminal prosecutor uh, full-time, and I've prosecuted trials ranging from DUIs to homicide. And in the last 10 years since I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I've gone on this self-discovery journey. So I've learned yoga. I went through teacher training. I became interested in coaching and online businesses and marketing and just learning about how this would all fit together for myself. And I started on this path because I recognized after my diagnosis of, with breast cancer that I had been on autopilot forever. Like my entire young adult life, all my teenage years was really spent striving to become more, to have more, to be something, somebody. 
So I had devoted a lot of my life to achieving the next big thing. And the next big thing was, am I going to get straight A's? Am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to law school? You know, what is the next big thing? And then when I got to law school, I finished law school and then it's all about, okay, now I have a a job. Now I have to work my butt off at my job uh, to impress everybody and make sure I'm doing a good job. And I'm working 50 to 70 hours a week. And not one moment of that was spent asking myself, how do I want to live? How do I want to feel? What do I want to do five years from now? What do I want my life to look like five years from now? None of that was looked, excuse me, none of that involved any self-reflection. It all involved me doing. And I recognized after many years of just kind of like going with the flow and trying to figure things out and failing and getting back up and trying again and failing and feeling horrible and then getting back up and trying again and seeing what worked so that I could feel good. Um, I, I learned that I needed to spend more time on myself, working on myself and recognizing where I needed to create space in my life to do that because I couldn't actually start working on myself until I cleared out some space in my life to, to think. And I hadn't thought in so long intentionally, it had all been towards one end goal, which was doing more. It was never about uh, how I wanted to feel and and how I wanted my life to look like. Yeah. There's me in a, in a nutshell. There's your, help, help, I'm in a nutshell. Um, so it's, I really wanted to start, and I really appreciated the intro you just gave to your story, because I really wanted to start with this idea of hitting the wall. I think so many people, myself included, um, for anyone who knows my story of my depression, hitting a wall seems to be a critical point. Like people find, like, how do I put this? If your pain and suffering doesn't outweigh the automatic parts of your life or the kind of familiarity, like it may not be true comfort, but the familiarity of your life until that kind of outweighs it, there's a tendency to just keep doing what you're doing. Like, oh, it's okay. Oh, it'll be all right. Um, Oh, this is normal. Oh, whatever else. It just becomes your new normal. And so until there's like a, a critical break, yeah, so for you, your breast cancer diagnosis. For me, my depression. Then suddenly, life takes on a whole new lens. You you sh- you kind of shift your perspective suddenly, and 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 different things in your life that you weren't paying attention to um, suddenly become the most important thing, right? Your right. Health, your physical health, your mental health, your whatever else. And I was hoping you could say a little bit more about what that transition looked like for you because I'm hoping that for some of the high achievers who are listening, because I imagine there are a number of them, especially um, professional helpers, you know, teachers, parents. I was talking to an office manager on Wednesday who was like, oh, that's me. I'm a professional helper. Like these people who tend to sacrifice um, parts of their lives for other parts of their lives. I'd love for them to kind of get your perspective on what that looked like. Yeah, sure. Um, Excuse me. Well, when I was starting in my law career, I've been a criminal prosecutor now for about 13 years. That certainly would put me in the helping professions. Uh, Certainly attorneys, especially 
prosecutors, public defenders, I mean, people who are helping, you know, victims or they're helping defendants, you know, whatever, whatever side they're on, we're devoting a big chunk of our lives to helping them through the criminal justice system and protecting the public in my case too. So one of the things that I recognized after my breast cancer diagnosis is that I had never thought about myself. I mean, I didn't work out really. I I tried running because everyone seemed to run and I didn't realize I hated running until I started doing yoga. Um, It's like, okay, I guess I'll do this because everybody else is doing it and I hated it. And then um, just before my diagnosis, I was in a trial. Actually, let me back up because this is something that I feel like anybody, any woman uh, in particular who experiences this may want to take a look out for. So over the years, I'd recognized that I had a lump and I kept my eye on it. I went to the doctors. I got it biopsied. They said it was nothing. It was, it was just something that would come and go just based on you know, what was going on in my body at the time. And so it would come and go, all right, uh, a lump in my breast. And then one day I noticed it wasn't going away. Like it just was there. And so I went to the doctor, I had it biopsied, I had a mammogram, they told me it was nothing. So it was only my vanity that took me to the surgeon to say, look, I want to get rid of this because it's really unattractive. I don't like it. (laughs) And so so the, the surgeon removed it and, you know, I got a call, I guess it was probably a week later or something. And I was at the office and, uh, I was in the, I was just about to start a trial and the receptionist from the surgeon's office is saying, Hey, uh, we need to schedule your follow-up appointment. And I said, Oh, that's really nice. I think I have time in about four weeks. How does four weeks work? Cause right now I'm in trial and I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And, um, she said, well, we really need you to come in. And I said, well, I just can't right now, but I think in four weeks I can do that. You know, I've got this date open. And so she, eventually she had to put the surgeon on and the surgeon had to tell me over the phone that I had breast cancer. And I had to ask like the kind where you have chemo, like, is that kind? Mm-hmm. Like, it just took me some time to like process yes. this. Cause I'd been told over and over again, it was nothing. Right. And so I, you know, course, went to the follow-up treatments. And then when I went through chemo, it was like a vacation. I was like, what oh is this God. magical time to myself? Oh my God. I'm not, you know, stressing. Like I felt like chemotherapy was a vacation oh and it was really foreign to me. It was very strange. I, I didn't realize what I could feel like when I wasn't at the office working my tail off 50, 70 hours a week. I have they no can't idea see what faces I can right now. I just wanted to pause to acknowledge <laughs> my absolute stunned demeanor. I am so shocked by that statement that I I still have not processed. <laughs> hey y'all, just want to take a quick break in the action. Let you know if you're enjoying what you're listening to please do recommend it to a friend. I would very much love to expand my audience and I would love it if you would rate me on iTunes slash the Apple podcast platform because that really helps the show out a lot. And if you want to know more about what I'm up to, go check out my new website at www.educate4.life. That's www.educate4.life. Now... Back to the show. 
it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And I knew something was wrong when chemo was a vacation. Like I knew something was wrong then. Um, and so I had to do a, a serious reevaluation of things. I had a friend recommend yoga to me, which is why I got into yoga. And so I did some practices when I could during my chemo sessions, like after, you know, the session, you have so much time off and I could do some yoga and then, uh, come back to it when I was uh, healthier. But that really got me thinking like, what am I doing wrong? Like, that's how I was thinking. I don't think that now, now I think in a more positive way, like, okay, how can I make this better for myself? How can I make this easier for myself? But at the time, my thought process was, what am I doing wrong? Like, what is it that I'm doing? Like, why am I bad? <laughs> you know, why am I so bad at this? Like, that's like, I want to go back in time and hug past you so badly. Right now. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Oh my God. Um, but you know, it was, it's, it's funny because that I knew there was something that I needed to change, but as soon as I was able, like after I went through radiation therapy and I started back at the office, I went right back onto the hamster wheel. Like I went right back to doing exactly what I was doing again. And I, I recognized it and I was burning myself out. I was doing trial after trial. I was killing myself. And mm it was really fortunate that I just, you know, I got to a certain point in my career and it was like, okay, I'm just, I, they moved me to another spot. I don't think they knew what to do with me. They're like, Oh my God, like she's such a hard worker, but she, she needs to like chill out. Um, <laughs> did, did you have a guardian angel? Did you have someone who actually like seriously put you on the back burner just to chill you out? Like, you know, what is, what I you? think, I think that, you know, at the time I didn't see it that way. At the time I saw it as, derailing me from yes. what I saw as the known career path, right. the known trajectory. Right. And so at the time I was very uh, hurt because right. I didn't really understand that this was not good for me. I just knew that I was not doing the traditional path right. that I, that I expected myself to follow. Right. And I, I'm very thankful that it didn't go that way. I still got to do trials and I still got to have some great experience and get to help people. And now I'm in a position where I'm, you know, I'm not doing trial work, but I'm negotiating cases and I'm, you know, working with a lot of people and it's a very high caseload, high volume, but it's still not the trial stress that you get. Like anyone who's ever done trial work, it's all encompassing. It's, you know, it, it eats at you all night. Like there's just no break from it. And when you're doing back-to-back trials, that is incredibly stressful. So I was very fortunate in that. And then um, when I started to have that time to myself, that time where I wasn't in trial and I wasn't feeling so tense, I started to recognize different habits in my body. Mm. I started to recognize that you know, I want to wake up earlier in the morning because I hate waking up. Like I wake up, this is how it used to be. I would wake up and I'd scroll on my phone. I check my email and I wouldn't get up for a long time or I'd put my phone on snooze and I wouldn't wake up until like 20 minutes before I had to take, take a shower and run to the office. And I think to myself, I hate waking up like this. Yeah. I don't feel good. This doesn't feel right. And so that was the first habit that I really recognized that I changed in order to start shaping my life the way I wanted to shape it Mm -hmm. was first just starting with my mornings and recognizing, okay, I like doing this. These are things that I want to do in the morning. And then that gave me some space to just think, 
and figure out, okay, well, what is happening with me? Like what's going on with my body? What's going on with how I feel? And I never thought about those things before. So that was, that was the big thing that got me going was first just focusing on one thing that I knew was going to impact the rest of my day. And that was my mornings. And that really did, that really did start to change everything for me. So what I'm hearing to in, in like, uh, I don't know, to, to, to bring this to maybe a overly fine point, it sounds like you had a critical experience that heightened, began to heighten your awareness because it sounds like even even once you got the kick in the pants of chemo being a fucking vacation, <laughs> um, you still went back on the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And so when you then got into this additional position where your awareness shifted again because now your career has been altered. It felt like derailed at the moment. And your path has been altered. Now you have another critical moment where your awareness starts to heighten, starts to shift perhaps would be a better way of describing it. That put you in a position or you, to be clear, you put yourself in a position because you were self-reflective enough. Thank God for that. <laughs> in that moment, wait, this could be a gift. Like that's huge. There aren't a lot of people who in that moment would be able to step out of that victim space of you've done to me, you've derailed my career to be able to go, oh, wait, hold on. This kind of feels good. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. This is bit, this is actually kind of a gift. That's, um, and it, you know, it, it took me some time on that because it, especially in the space that I was, it was very much one of those things where you feel as if, other people are just like, at that point, I think I felt it more because I was more concerned with how people perceived me. Mm. And that, you know, then I went on my own journey on that one is like chipping away at, okay, people's perceptions and how little they really matter and how much my perception of myself really was what mattered and how I could be the person in the world that I wanted to be and not be so concerned about what other people's thoughts were about me. So for context, how long between just awareness that lump is not going away and then actually truly going, oh shit, this, this is, this is real, real now. Like you were talking about fixing your morning, you know, where you your career has already been altered and now you're like, okay, let's get into this. I would say about, um, about six months. Okay. It was about six months from the time when I realized it was cancer, uh, going through chemo, going back on the hamster wheel, and then finally being like, I need to figure this out. Okay. And then I, I, I wanted to ask that question because just as you were talking about this uh, presumed judgment from others about who you are, for those who are listening and are thinking, oh, I learned so slow or oh, da da da, and have all this self judgment about their own development of awareness, like, People, people, sometimes things take years before that true shift happens. I loved what my teacher said about people tend to walk in circles, Mm -mm. right? And so literally, if you just shift, I'm going to be kind of math nerd here, but like one degree off center, if you just shift that one degree, it 
can start to become a spiral and it feels like not much change, but that little shift, suddenly you look back for your example, six months later, the process had started, but maybe you weren't conscious of it. Right. And you're able to look and then six months later, you're like, Oh my God, no, no, no. Like I have a, now, now I'm in a space where I'm prepared. Now I can take on this challenge. Maybe you were building a resilience you weren't aware of or, you know, cognizance or whatever else. Like to me, that's huge. That's, that's monstrously huge. Well, Tony Robbins, he says, you know, just make those two millimeters, just a two millimeter shift. That's all you got to do is this two millimeter shift and you will slowly begin that change. Like it, it doesn't even matter in your brain if you think it's this huge deal, like you're just completely changing your life. No, it's just those little things that you change every day. Like you change a little bit of your morning habit or you change the way you do something at the office. I mean, these little things add up over time. Hugely, hugely. And, and, and I heard someone recently, and I wish I could remember who it was, um, say something similar about um, when you're not where you want to be, but you're taking action to get there, it's easy to think, well, I'm taking action. I should already be there. Right. But the truth is the action that you're taking will get you there, but it requires this kind of patience that most have never had to develop because so often we you're like, I want to eat food. You walk to the fridge and you get food. Well, the fact is you went shopping to get that. Like there's this preparation, there's things that lead to you being able to do that. And so when it comes to personal development, all these little things any little thing, any little thing, like stopping. And when you wake up, let's say you're terrible at waking up and you're not prepared to do what you did and actually completely change your morning routine, then maybe you just, when you become conscious, you say something like, good morning, Ryan. You know, good morning, speak your name to yourself. You take three conscious, clear breaths and you go, all right. And literally just that small thing. Like for me, I could not stand getting up in the morning. And for me, it was just, I can't remember what esoteric tradition it was, the saying good morning to yourself thing was. And I'm sure it had some very incredibly woo-woo, like bringing your spirit back to your body kind of reason. <laughs> but that's not what mattered to me. What mattered to me was just being cognizant of myself in that moment, doing some conscious breathing, maybe even stretching for a minute in bed. I just was seriously rolling over in a child's pose or something and just yeah. kind of getting into my body. And I was like, okay. And got into my day. And I felt so much more centered just I mean, from that. Yeah. And, you know, I think for high achievers, driven people, we were brought up in this society where we were taught that we needed to get straight A's. We needed to work our buns off in school to get to the next level. So I was working my tail off in high school, like all the clubs, all the president stuff, all the, you know, working my tail off for extra credit, all of the extracurricular stuff so that I could go to a really good school. And then when I was there, it, you know, I was working my tail off the best I could. I didn't really have any context for college. I didn't know anyone who'd gone to college at that point, but yeah. I, you know, still worked my tail off. And then I went to law school, worked my tail off and had my ego bruised hugely because it was just, it, it was, you know, your grades are totally different. So I had my ego hurt, you know? Right, right, so right. I mean, but we're like working and working and working and we're never really thinking about how, how we feel, how we, um, we want to, to, to be in the world. And 
we just, we drive, like we wake up and we think we should be working and we wake up and we think we should have everything because we've been working so hard all these years. I mean, shouldn't we have whatever it was that we thought we wanted? And we may not even remember what we wanted at that point because we were working so hard. Right. Absolutely. There's this, uh, I I like to compare doing to acting that we, as part of our culture, there's this tendency to do, we feel like we always must be doing something. Um, and for me, the not doing the becoming aware of the automatic becoming aware of the drive to be just taking aimless action or action that is simply automatic. That's the doing part instead of taking conscious action. Um, and so much of that is, uh, developing awareness. So much of that is becoming aware of why we're driven to take the automatic actions that we're taking um, and unpacking that and so on and so forth. Next time on Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. And actually, I would love to get some clarity on for you, like what steps have you taken to get your life out of autopilot like you started to talk about a few of them but maybe you could talk about some of them in some more detail you know or at least again changing your habits from you know, yeah more worthy than being automatic like things that are more valuable than just automatic hey again thanks for listening if you want more goodness come hang out with me on instagram at educate for underscore life that's educate the number four underscore life I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.